0: The Ozone.
1: Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, presented by ViStar Credit Union, featuring Jaguar senior writer John Osher and executive producer Dave DeCandis. We have a guest this week that I think people are really going to enjoy and be excited about. It's Jaguar's second-year safety, Andrew Wingard. I said Andrew, as we'll learn. There's many, many different names we can uh, we can call him by. But the storyline this week is fascinating. A huge interception that I don't want to say it beat the Colts, but it sure had a big hand in it the other day. Uh he's a guy who's very interesting to talk to in terms of his off the field. I think people are gonna enjoy it. So we'll get right to it. There's more to him than the interception. We'll get into more than the interception. But Andrew, talk about the interception.
0: I mean, I Phil couldn't have stared it down much longer, could he? <laughs> no, it was uh it was a it was a really really cool moment. Um, you know, i just always, you know, trained my butt off for, to be ready. You know, I came in this, this camp, uh, you know, wanting to prove myself that I can play that third safety spot and back up both spots. And, um, you know, I knew if, uh, if one of those two guys went down, I'd have to come in and perform. And that's, that's what I do. And I came in and got the job done. So I'm super, super happy and just uh, excited to build on that.
1: Now, how many plays had you been in when that play came? Refresh my memory.
0: Yeah, I was in on the series before Josh got okay. up a little bit. So uh it wasn't I was a little my blood was flowing by then, so that that helped. I got you. But you replaced Jared yep. on that series. Yep. Being uh being multiple, being able to replace both those guys, you know, strong and free, being able to come down in the box as well as play the pass. So um just being able to do both of those helped me a lot.
1: Now if you've ever seen me, you know I didn't play the game, and I think a lot of our, of our viewers didn't play the game. Take me through that feeling when you know you've got the break, you know you've read his eyes, you know you've done your job, and now the ball's in the air and you got to catch it. I know there's not a lot of time, but take the listener through that what is in you when that's happening.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually pretty crazy because you know you're you're standing there and you you got your pre-snap you know little indicator that you know the back's away so I'm alert for that that spear out by the by the W receiver and you know he took that exact release and I was like okay um, I'm gonna jump you know I'm gonna jump the crap out of this and you know I was I kind of shadowed over the top of it and as I was as I started to drive it I just saw Phil you know eyeing it down the whole time and it's kind of crazy you know, people say their, their life kind of goes into slow-mo, but it, it really <laughs> it honestly kind of goes into slow-mo because you're like, holy crap, like he's, he's really about to throw it right now. I don't think he sees me. And then, you know, as, as the ball goes, you know, many times in practice, you know, I, I've, I've drove down on a route and stuff like that and, you know, dropped an easy pick and you're like, dang, am I going to be able to do that in the game? But honestly, when you're in that moment and your your adrenaline's flying, you, ca- you kind of black out. And honestly, like I, I it, it was so easy to catch the ball. Like I knew I was going to catch it, and it, it just kind of came in slowly, like it was going in slow motion. And then after that, it was it was off to the races. So it's it's a super cool, super cool feeling, and that's those are the kind of things you you know you live for playing this game. Because it's you know
1: statistically, if you look at most, even just great great defensive players, might have fifty or sixty of these things in a career. It's a long career opportunities for picks don't come along very often in the NFL.
0: So it's, it's one of those where everything sort of has to come together. Right. Right. And you know, it, it, it perfectly came together. And you know, a lot of, a lot of those big name corners say, you want to be a thousandaire, you want to be a millionaire. And when you get that opportunity, you got to be the millionaire <laughs> and go get that ball. Cause those things do not come often. Like you said.
1: Now take me through your, uh, your celebration afterward. I, I saw glimpses of it. People on the sidelines said it went on for a while. It was, it, it was pretty intense.
0: You know, yeah, at first it's kind of the, you know, just go, just go back crazy because you don't really know what to do. And then, you know, obviously I, I, I grew up a big, big Ladanian Tomlinson fan. You know, he had the, uh, the hand on the back of the head and the flip of the ball, you know, the LT train. So I'd been, I'd been thinking about that celebration for about, you know, 17 or 16 years, something like that, that I wanted to, you know, wanted to do in a game. Cause you know, you can't celebrate like that in college or you'll get a flag. So it was a, it was a super cool moment. And uh, I, I definitely kind of blacked out and just kind of, you know, ran around with like a chicken with my head cut off, but it felt good. So.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, when you say 16 or 17 years, I guess you can't celebrate in high school. You're sort of selling yourself short a little bit. Yep. You're an unknown in the NFL but you've never played at a level where you haven't had success. You're a big time high school player, a lot of impact in college. Um, I guess just take me through the uh, process. I you talked about this some last year, but a very, very good college player, but you needed an
0: opportunity in the NFL, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, as I look back uh, on last year and you know, the draft and stuff, like you said, I was a, you know, I had a lot of production in college and, Honestly, I kind of got a little, I got a little complacent as a senior, you know, I had a really good junior year. And, I, you know, I'd be in the games as a senior kind of thinking, you know, you know, what are scouts thinking of me? You know, I'd be in the middle of a play, like, if I don't make sure. this tackle, if I don't get an interception, you know, what are scouts going to think of me? And I was just, you know, I was kind of thinking too much. And, you know, that kind of carried over into, um, you know, the draft where, you know, I kind I really thought I was going to get drafted, to be honest with you. And to have that, yeah, went to the combine, right? Yeah, you know that moment of, holy cow, I didn't get drafted. It kind of, it kind of just reset me, you know, back to that, you know, that underdog mentality. You know, I was a, I was only a two-star recruit out coming out of high school. I only had one FBS offer. So, you know, when I got to Wyoming, I had that, I had that, you know, kind of underdog mentality. Mm I, you know, I wouldn't think about anything. I'd just go out and ball, you know, go out off my instincts and going undrafted really reset me back to that underdog mentality. And I've, you know, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest with you, because um, as you saw, you know, out there on Sunday, that's just me going out, not thinking about anything, not worrying, trusting my instincts, and just going out and making a play. And, uh, you know, I I really attribute, you know, that, you know, that undrafted mentality, um, you know, kind of resetting me and helping me, you know, get to where I am today, because, you know, I'm just falling back on my instincts and just going out and balling and not caring about what anybody thinks. It's
1: it's obviously the undrafted thing that follows somebody for a while in this league, could, because it's still when people talk about Jaguars safeties, it was you know it was always uh, Ronnie and Jared. And, you know, yep. never really talk about Andrew Wingard. Does that drive you still? Does it bother you? What I mean, it sounds like it's going to be something
0: that you use. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't read into what, you know, people say. I just go out and, I just go out and be me. You know, there's nothing else you can do. You can't worry about, you know, outside noise, other things like that. And, you know, people are completely entitled to their opinions, but I'm also completely entitled to not, you know, give a crap what you think about me. (laughs) And that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I do it. And, you know, that, like you said, that undrafted mentality is, it's just a great thing to have. And, you know, you don't have to be undrafted to have that dog mentality. You see guys, you know, Josh Allen goes out and plays with his, with his head on fire. Like, he doesn't give a crap, you know. So that's kind of how um, I've kind of molded into that guy. And if people talk about me, they talk about me. If they don't, they don't. I'm just going to go out and be me and do what I do. So
1: Now, it strikes me from uh, talking and watching a little bit. You've really, in your second year, gotten to the point where, and I'm not sure the phrasing to use, but it feels like you own special teams. Like you already consider yourself a leader. I think think your teammates consider yourself a leader. Um, Is that just – do you love special teams or is that
0: just, hey, this is where I know I can make an impact right now? Here's what I say. Do you love – do you love being a corner? Do you love being a safety? Do you love being a linebacker? Or do you love football? You know, and I love football. And I could really care less if I'm playing safety or if I'm the – l3 on kickoff you know i just love football and i love you know getting paid to play football so you know you see a lot of guys in this league who get you know they get ran out in two years because you know they're not a starter and they don't want to contribute on special teams because you know they think it's a demotion or something like that there's three parts of the game special teams is that other 33 percent, and if you're not a starter that's those are your plays so, you know, I, you know, I came into this league, like, you, like we've talked about, undrafted. And I'm like, I got to make it. But at the end of the day, I still love football. And I could care less what position I'm playing. So just going out there and being able to play football, whether it's on special teams or defense, that's what you got to do. And when you are on special teams, you got to go and ball out. Because once you play special teams, that gives you time to perfect your craft on defense. And then once you're balling on special teams and a guy gets hurt, there you are. You're out there on Sunday getting an interception, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, whether it's special teams or defense, you know, I love the game. And if I'm going to be on special teams, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go balls to the walls, hundred percent. And like you said, you know, we got a lot, a lot of young guys on this team and I'm a young guy still too. I'm only in my second year, but you know, I, I obviously have more experience than a lot of them, you know, from last year. So I, I try sure. to go out there and set the example and, you know, just play with my head on fire and go out and make plays when I can. And, uh, hopefully the young guys follow.
1: Now take me through the nicknames. It seems like you've got a million of them, but we'll focus on uh, first Thor. Uh, how much did you embrace that? That's Doug's thing, right? Yeah, is that pretty much his.
0: Yeah, it's it's that that was you know kind of the first thing. Uh, that was kind of the first nickname when I got here. Really, it was from Coach Marone. And you know when the when the coach is giving you nicknames, you know you're kind of like, okay, I'm doing something right. That's good. He knows who I am. You know, so he can call you know, whatever
1: he wants, right?
0: Yeah, he could call me, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever the heck he wants to call me. But, yeah, so it started with Thor. Um, you know, obviously, whenever a, a white dude with long blonde hair comes into any football camp, there's always going to be sunshine. So that was there, too. Um, and then, you know, guys start following you on Instagram and stuff, and they see that I got, you know, the name Dewey, stuff like that. So that came along. And then it was, you know, I don't I don't think it was till. Late last year, when Coach uh, Coach Wash started calling me Kid Rock, and that Kid Rock one has actually stuck pretty hard. I got a lot of people calling me that now, so I got about I got about four four or five nicknames around here. So I kind of I kind of lose track. But Dewey's the one that came with you
1: from college. Is that just after Andrew? Is that the Yeah, it's or no?
0: Yeah my my dad kind of gave me that nickname as a kid. One of our uh, one of our little neighbor kids had tr- had trouble saying saying or ours you know, everyone Got called you. me Drew and it, you know, went from Dew to Dewey. So, you know, it's actually kind of weird. Usually the only person that calls me Andrew is my mom when she's pissed at me or something. So usually it's, <laughs> uh, it's pretty, usually everyone just knows me by Dewey. So, uh, that's, that's kind of how it's been coming from, you know, Colorado and stuff. That's
1: wild. So you, uh, you live with Minshew last year and, and now that's over with, did he throw you out? Was it COVID related or, uh,
0: yeah, it was you How know you? we we just we split up you know there was the there was the COVID thing and it was I won't bore you with the details but we we live apart but we're we're still buddies so it's all good right there.
1: <laughs> I know it's tiresome because it, anytime anybody's talking to you, they probably ask about him, but he's always a topic. People, you know, you guys are close. Tell me something about him that I don't know. Maybe people miss.
0: He is as big of a just a football guy. You know he. He lives, eats, you know, you like you said, it's cliche, right? You know, he lives football, but he th- this man really lives, eats, and sleeps football. You know, it's it's all it's all he thinks about. You know, I remember you know coming back, you know, to the apartment stuff like that last year, where we were to the house this year, it's all football. You know, he you get back and he's on YouTube watching, you know games from 1988 or something, you know, just Mm -hmm. constantly just, you know, absorbing the knowledge and stuff of the game. And you see it on Sunday, you know, whether, no matter what the doubters say, stuff like that, he goes out and he balls, you know, and I think that's what, you know, people get away from, whether it's the, you know, the hair, the stash, you know, the quarterback, you know, the, the big name, He, he, he is a grinder and a football guy. And it shows out on the field, you know, He's always prepared, you know, 19 of 20, 19 of 20. You know, that's pretty crazy. And you obviously know that that guy knows everything the defense is doing. He knows everything each guy is doing on offense. And I think that's pretty cool to see. So, especially from a, you know, a a six foot, you know, underrated sixth round draft pick. So that's pretty cool to see.
1: From, and I'll get off the Minshew topic in a second, but from being around him, what percentage, if you're just hanging out in a day, what percentage is the Minshew mania mustache guy? And then what percentage is the guy you're talking about? I've always theorized with him that basically he turns that on for 10 minutes when the media is watching. And then he's probably a pretty normal guy outside of that. Is it Oh yeah. anything close to that?
0: Yeah. You know, back at, back at the house, he's just a, you know, he's just chill. You know, he, he just ch- chills out, you know, watches his TV, reads his books, stuff like that. You know, there's there were the occasional times last year. You know, after the Thursday night game, you know, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but you know, we're out we're sure. out of, we're out at Jack's Beach, you know, drinking water, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we've gone out I a few. Not, we've gone out a few times and you know, lived it up a little bit, which was pretty cool to see. You know, that 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 was one of the crazier things last year was just you know he was the backup. You know, the, obviously everyone saw the preseason that was pretty rough. And it just blew up after that, that Tennessee game, which was pretty crazy, you know. And we went out to the, the beach bars, and it was, like, it was like we were like the Rolling Stones or something, you know. It was Gardner, and, you know, we were in his little posse, and there was just, you know, hundreds of people, you know, around us, which was, which was pretty crazy. So, um, but most of the time, you know, he, he, he's just chilling at home, uh, you know, he's, a, he's got a tight circle. So, um, we'll see what happens down the road.
1: And my understanding is uh, y'all's families have become pretty close, right? For, uh, just from traveling on the road.
0: Yeah, yeah. My, parent, my parents got close with, with Mike Walker's family too. And, uh, you know, obviously Gardner's family as well. They they actually ha- – Gardner's uncle has a, a big boat that they park out there um, on the river. And my, my parents and Mike's parents were out there. So they're definitely very, very uh, welcoming people. And it's, it's cool that, uh, you know, my parents get to make some friends too.
1: Jared being hurt. What kind of an opportunity is this for you? And I assume you just approach it the same way you always have, just uh, hair on fire, full go.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great opportunity and something I'm definitely prepared for and ready to go and hold it down while Jared's gone. You know, Um, I want to pride myself on, you know, being that third safety that if one of those guys goes down, we don't skip a beat. And, you know, I was out there today at practice and it just felt great being out there communicating, not even missing a beat. So I'm super excited for the opportunity and, you know, I really, really love the guys on this defense. Um, you know, we communicate great together, and it doesn't matter who's out there. Um, we're all communicating and, you know, getting ready to go. So I'm super, super excited for the opportunity.
1: The Athletic wrote a, a big story on you last year talking about the adrenaline junkie thing. Yep. Um, it, it sounds like that's the real thing. It sounds like that's, that's who you are. Yeah. Sort of cliche. Sort of yeah. cliche, I'll be honest with you. Yep. But, <laughs> but that's what it is, right?
0: Yeah, that's that same feeling of, you know, flying down a a black diamond on the skis, just kind of flowing and going with it is kind of the same way I do it on the field. You know, just take it as it comes. And, you know, if a bad play happens, it happens. Move on to the next. If a good play happens, celebrate with your hair on fire. So um, that's kind of how I approach everything in life. You know, don't get too high. Don't get too low. You know, get on that, get on that adrenaline train and, you know, ride it all the way
1: final question and I appreciate you doing this I'll let you get out of here tell me about this Jaguars team and you were around here last year there's a little bit of a different feeling this year Uh, you know you obviously won so that helps it be fun Mm -hmm. but it strikes me even from watching training camp that you guys like being around each other this is a team uh I guess just put that into words from your point of view
0: It, it really is really different Um, you know, nothing against the guys last year, but this team, it's just different. You know, there's young guys, there's first year guys and, you know, everyone is just kind of a a blue, blue collar grinder. We're a blue collar grinder type of team. And it's super cool to see all these young guys come out here, uh, and just go ball. You know, it's guys that, you know, they're going to go out and do their job and they're going to do it 150%. And that's one thing, you know. Obviously it was one game, you know, we had a really good win, but we got to continue to stack them. But um, I think with the base, you know, the baseline, you know, fundamentals and technique and effort and stuff like that, that, you know, Coach Marone has, you know, pounded us every day. I think it's going to help us a lot. And it's a team that um, whether good things happen, whether bad things happen, we're going to stay even keel and we're just going to move on to the next play and continue to go and try to ball out. And it's, uh, it's super cool to see. And it's a, just a group of guys that, like you said, we all really enjoy each other's company. You know, it's not like we're, you know, ah, oh, dang, got to go out to practice. It's We get to go out to practice with with a bunch of guys we respect and a bunch of guys that, um, you know, will go to war for each other. So it's uh, it's super cool to see. And obviously when you go out and win, it's, you know, it's even better. And you come back in that locker. I mean, the the happiness and the the bliss, you know, in that locker room after that game is – you know, that's what you play for. That's you know, those are the, those are the days that you'll remember 20 years from now, you know, just seeing everyone smiling and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's super cool that coach Marone has, you know, developed this team um, to being so tight. Well, Andrew, this is the only, I think
1: it's only the second and third time I've talked to you, but uh, all times have really been entertaining. Very interesting. I appreciate you doing this. I think fans are going to enjoy getting to know you a little bit. So thanks for joining us and now good luck the rest of the year.
0: Thank you so much, John. Have a good
1: one. I want to thank Andrew Wingard for joining us. Uh, As I say every week, it's not always easy for players to do this, to give 15 or 20 minutes during the season as they're getting ready uh, for games. So that's always appreciated. And Dave, I thought Andrew or Dewey or uh, Kid Rock, whatever you want to call him. I even call him, you know, Dave, He he probably wouldn't mind. Um, very interesting guy and as i think we're finding with a few of these players there's some guys on this jaguars team that are mature with a perspective beyond their years i think he fits into that my theory as to why is he's played a lot of football was a star at wyoming even though he was unknown in a lot of places so he's been through it a lot he's been a leader he's played at a high level but he's got a pretty good perspective on the nfl
2: he does indeed, and uh, it's funny, around the building, I think mostly people call him Dewey that I've been around, and it's yeah. funny, I haven't, it, you know, he, he was a rookie last year. I hadn't dealt with him much. I mean, this is probably my first time being involved in something he was doing, and uh, he was in a great interview and uh, really had some nice perspective for, you know, a guy who's only in his second year in the league, and um, it's interesting to see, and, and it's kind of funny, and he kind of talked about it at the end about. This team and I know we're a week into this, but it feels like this team is super close already, and that's pretty good since there was no off-season program. Mm-hmm. They were in training camp. Training camp was weird, and I mean even now they're still not. They're still separated at points in the day for meetings and all that kind of stuff. I mean they're never in the same room until game day, right. and uh, it's just pretty good how uh, how close knit this team team is and kind of what he he was talking about there at the end of the of your conversation. Yeah. And we'll uh, talk about,
1: uh, Wingard in a second, and close it out. But, I, uh, I said on a few shows, so uh, people who listen to this have probably heard me say this before, but it, it, it became clear that Doug looked at this bunch and knew that as a young team, it was going to need togetherness, a closeness, something like that. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was the social justice conversations during the off season, where a lot of players talked to each other and got to know each other. Doug talked about that a little bit. He didn't want to make that connection because he considers the social justice uh, topic into and of its own. He doesn't want to have that use uh, to be something else. But this team, I, th- I think you told me, being on the sidelines, The communication is very, very high. The helping each other. When you talk to these guys, you can feel it. And I think you saw it on the field the other day. I've thrown this out many times this week already. They trailed four times, Dave. And it's a young team that didn't play well early on Sunday. You trail the entire game. It would be easy at any point to say, same old team. They came back every time, eventually took the lead, and by the end of the game looked like the better team. Uh, I know the stats were in favor of the Colts, but you know, give Doug some credit for creating that, and at least for a week it worked. So it's, it's, uh, it's impressive. We'll see how far it goes. But uh, getting back to Wingard, I was impressed by the authenticity of what he was saying about really doesn't care where he plays. I thought it was fascinating to hear him talk about special teams. Because, you know, it shows up. For people who don't really watch practice, when you watch Jaguars practice, I know Wingard's not the special team captain. That's Lambeau. But the players sure treat Wingard on coverage teams like he's a captain. They're asking him what to do. They know he knows what to do. This guy plays the role. Usually special teams are good when you've got a 50- or 60-year guy who knows what he's doing and is a leader. Wingard plays like that.
2: Yeah, he does. And uh, a big thing about this team, and kind of more specifically, Andrew, is just the ability to communicate. I think that's going to take this team pretty far, is is how well they communicate. And Andrew, obviously, on on your conversation, was, is obviously a great communicator. And um, I just thought, you know, I thought overall it was just interesting, just at Wyoming, you know, for a smaller Division One school. I mean, he was a stud. And then you know, you don't – he goes to combine, you think you're going to get drafted, and then, you know, it's kind of a, a story you hear in the NFL is then you got to go back and reprove yourself, right. and reprove yourself worthy of being in the NFL. And um, that's not lost on him, which is cool. I mean, like you said, some some guys can come in and then all of a sudden they're not, they're not playing running back or they're not playing corner. They're not starting. They're third or fourth on the depth chart. And you start getting down on yourself. Well, treat special teams as your – that you're a starter on special teams, you know. Um, and I think that says a lot about his personality is just that uh, stick-to-itiveness, not to, to, to take whatever the next challenge is and, and try to uh, and try to power through and, and make the best of it and make your mark. And he's definitely doing that. And now he got in this past week, and he's going to fill in for Jared Wilson. And it'll just be interesting to see how that translates. And we had yeah. someone, DJ Chark kind of, had the same process when he, uh, back in 2018, is he was a heck of a special teams player. Then all of a sudden in 19, he gets his chance to start and he's in the Pro Bowl a few months later.
1: It's important to remember with him, um, I think people, because they hadn't heard of him and he was undrafted, and I'm probably guilty of it, sort of assume that he's just a special teams guy and sort of your fifth safety guy. He was, he was invited to the combine at athletically, he was good enough at Wyoming and, and had a decent combine. So athletically, he's very capable. So um, let's wait and see until we sort of write him off as a career backup special teams guy. It, yeah, this is a big opportunity for him. And uh, he, he sure didn't look like a career backup when he broke on that ball the other day. I mean, he, he can joke all he wants about uh, – Phillip Rivers staring the pass down. I guess he did a little bit. But he broke on the ball, made a play, and it was a big-time play at a big-time moment. So um, uh, a credit to him for being ready because a lot of guys that come in off the bench maybe aren't ready to make that play. So, uh, Dave, I think people who listen to this, along with some other interviews with Wingard, are going to have a new appreciation for him. Uh, I, I hope he does well. He has a chance to become a very popular player. Um I sure enjoyed listening to them. As always, I appreciate you making me sound better than I am. I appreciate Joe Fortunato making me sound much better than I am. And, uh, you know, this one certainly didn't suck. And so far we're on a roll, but we'll try to do better next week.